Well, today we are uh, finishing our series, Victim to Victor series. We've been uh, spending this entire month talking about going from being a victim to becoming a victor. Um, we've, we've covered a lot of ground. Uh, we started off the very first week, we talked about stop playing that victim card. We live in a world right now where um, a lot of us struggle with letting go of being a victim. And so it's easy for us to get people to feel sorry for us and empathetic for us. And so we keep, we keep a, a tight hold on, on the, the pain of our life and, and, and the things that, that didn't go well in our life. And so we keep reminding people of, of, of the pain that's in our life so they'll feel sorry for us so that we, we feel more encouraged and loved. And, and so what happens is we never move past that. So that's where we started. we got to stop playing that victim card. Then we talked about that if we're going to get anywhere in any kind of recovery or finding any kind of freedom, that we've got to press into, tap into the presence of God because that's where everything happens. And, and, and so I need to be in the presence of God. When I'm in the presence of God, everything else flees. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but when you're in the presence of God, nothing else matters. Am I right? I mean, because where else can we go where we can kind of come in and we can sit down and we can be surrounded by the presence of God and we forgot about every problem that's sitting at home? It might still be there when I get home, but at least for a couple of hours I can come into his house, get into his presence, say, you know what? It's pretty good right now. You know, no matter what. So, so we need to learn how to tap into his presence. Um, we need to stop playing the shame game. The devil loves to make you feel shame. And he wants you to carry that shame around because uh, if, I can, if, he, if he can get you to walk around living your life and, and, and keep reminding you of your past mistakes, you will not have anything in the future to do. You know, God has a plan for your life. He has things that he wants you to do. And we spend too much time thinking about the past. And, and I love the story that we used there. Um, I don't have time to go back into it. But all of these, you can go back. If you missed any of these... You can find them on our app. Um, you can find them on YouTube, on our Facebook. They're all there. Last week, we started talking about know God and know thyself. We struggle in our society. We struggle with identity. Most people struggle with all kinds of insecurity. Um, there are many who struggle with the feeling of not being good enough, not being worthy, not adequate, Many people walk around feeling like they are a mistake. Many men, especially among men, struggle with the fear of failure. Here's the reality. We live in this world where insecurity is all around us. And when we start realizing who God is and that he created me and I am fearfully and wonderfully made, my identity is not in my insecurity. Today, we're going to take a stand against the devil. That's, I mean, you got to end. If you're going to end, you got to end on a big note. Today, we're going to talk about standing your ground. You see, we need to understand that there's a spiritual battle going all around us. All those insecurities, that is the enemy, and he's trying to get into your mind. He's trying to, to destroy your confidence. He's trying to, 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 to create a shameful life inside of you. The devil's doing all kinds of things, so he's constantly coming. So we need to realize that there's a battle, and you may not have signed up for the battle. You're like, I didn't sign up for this. Well, guess what? It's coming anyways. 
The devil's going to come. He is, is, he is, 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 the Bible says the sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you. He's sitting there and you're like, well, I don't, wanna, I, I don't have a dog in this fight. You do. You are the fight. And the devil will do anything that he can to kill, steal, and destroy you. He'll do anything that he can. So if you don't realize that you're in a battle, you're already losing. And everyone else in your house is losing if you're losing adults. So today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. I color-coded it for you to help it uh, stand out. All my elders and pastors, they all shake their head at me. I'm a very visual learner. I like to see things and I like color. So you're welcome, you know. So if you're a creative person, you're welcome. If you're not... You're welcome. All right, so finally, finally, this is, this is the first three verses we're going to look at. Finally, be strong in who? The Lord. And in the power of what? His might. Put on the whole armor of God. So I'm, we're going to get there. Put on the whole armor of God. Not a piece of it. There's too many young men in this world forgetting their belts. And they're walking like this, like a penguin trying to keep their pants up. You know, when they're doing it, they forgot part of the, the dress. You know, you, hey, the belt is the first thing we're supposed to put on. We'll get there. So that you may be able to what? Stand against the wiles. The wiles, remember, wily, coyote, clever, coy, you know, wily. Okay, so the wiles is the devil's schemes. He's got a plan to destroy you. See, here's the deal. The devil's pretty smart. He's been watching you. He's been studying you. And he has a detailed plan how to destroy you. So here's the deal is you are to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in heavenly places. Therefore, again, look at how this verse almost mirrors the above verse. Therefore, take up what? The whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. That's what spiritual warfare looks like. At the end of the day, when the death settles and after he's attacked you and you don't know what's going on, and you got to think about it, in those days, they would be battling in a valley. And if they were battling in a valley right now, as dry as it is, dust would be everywhere and you wouldn't know what's going on. And when the dust settled, you wanted to see which army was still standing. In our spiritual battle, God has called you out to stand your ground. To stand your ground. And we're not giving the devil an inch. We're done with those days. Amen? We're done giving the devil leeway in our homes and with our families and in our marriage. I kind of hope that at some point we kind of, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with the devil getting involved in my marriage. I'm done with the devil getting involved in my kids. I'm done with him getting in my house and getting in these things. I'm tired of him encroaching on my territory. Joshua said, me and my house, we're serving the Lord. So make up your mind today. See, you all get to make that choice. Me and my house. That's your territory that God gave you. You don't have to let the devil in. 
but he will if you don't stand your ground. So let's break this down. So be strong in the Lord. This is the first two verses. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the hold. So you're going to see three different things. So I'm going I'm to teach you a little bit of Greek today. You guys ready? All the kids are like, school doesn't start for a little bit, right? But here's the thing is when we learn something, it's kind of cool. So here's the deal. Be strong is present passive. Present tense means continuously. I need to be continuously in the Lord's, you got that, in the Lord's strength. Not in mine. I need to continuously. That's what present tense. Present tense is now, 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 right? So I understand that present tense is right now. So I need to continuously be in the Lord's strength. Passive, though, means this. Passive means that I'm not doing the action of the strength because it's the Lord's strength. His strength is being acted upon me. Come on, come on, like, think about this. I'm just sitting here like, help me, Lord. And he's like, he's like I got strength. It's kind of like a baby lion cub, and right behind him, behind him is the big king of the jungle, right? The big lion, and like, nobody messes with the little guy while he's like, meow, meow. you know, I'm like, he doesn't have any strength, but when you look behind him, you're like, I ain't messing with the cub because I see who's behind it. Right? I mean, that's what it is. I don't have strength, but my God, my Lord, my Father does. So he says, I need to continuously, and passive means God is the one giving me the strength. Woo, come on now. The second thing is that he says, put on the whole armor of God. Put on is aorist tense. Aorist doesn't play by all the rules. Aorist kind of does his own thing. I kind of like aorist. Aorist tense isn't present, isn't past, isn't future. It's just like whenever this happens, it's going to be good. You know, like aorist tense is whenever something, whenever this putting on the armor happens, it's effective when it is. So what it's saying is this. I don't constantly, every moment of the day, um, oh, i got to keep putting my belt. You don't put on your belt 20 times a day, do you? I really hope not because that would be weird. Like, where's your belt go? Oh, yeah, I forgot. Put on your belt. Oh, yeah. So two minutes ago, I took it off. I don't know what I'm doing. No, it's whenever you put on the armor of God, it's effective. So if you're putting it on daily, it's effective daily. If you forget to put it on tomorrow morning when you wake up and you go to work, it does you no good because you didn't put it on. So whenever you put on the armor of God, it's effective. Middle voice means this, God's helping dress me. That's what's so cool about this. It's like, I got to be a part of it. So it's like, I, I, I got, Lord, I need to put on some truth today. Yeah, you do. I'm going to help you. So what happens is that middle, middle, um, middle voice is so uh, uh, neat because it's, I'm not alone putting on the armor. He's not saying, well, good luck. I, I, I stacked it over there to the side. It's, you know what, son, let's, let's put on this belt of truth today. Don't, don't, hey, don't forget the, the breastplate of righteousness. Let's put that on. Don't forget to tie your shoes. You don't want to be tripping today. I mean, think about how we have... You know, when you're a little kid and your parents are helping you make sure that you don't, you know, we have to tell Gideon to turn his shirt around every single day because he always walks and it's always backwards. I'm like, son, if you'll just do the opposite of what you think about every morning, you'll be good. Like every day, your shirt's on backwards. <laughs> and he just like sees the shirt and he's like, woo! You know, it's like, all right, son, oh, just go, just go. We, you know, tags are right here. And maybe he likes to chew on them. I don't know. But anyways, so here's the deal is we still have to help dress our nine-year-old. So, you know, so guess what? The Lord still has to help this 43-year-old dress up too. You know, it's like, hey, don't forget, oh, don't forget the truth. You really need that today. You're going to need that. So here's the deal is, is what's so amazing is I need to put on the whole armor of God, but I'm not alone in doing it. That's what makes this so amazing is I would never have known that if I didn't dig into the Greek of this. The next one is stand against. 
All right, stand against. Again, it's aorist tense. It's whenever, whenever the battle happens, you don't get to decide when the devil shows up knocking at the door. You don't get to decide. You don't get to pick the place and the location and the time. It's just going to happen whenever it happens. If I've done the other two things up to this point, then I, I will effectively stand whenever I need to stand. If you forget your armor, that's probably the day the fight's coming to you. Have you ever noticed that the day you forget your Bible, that's the day you needed it? Right? Right? It's like, oh, come on. You know, so here's the deal. So it's active. Now, here's the difference. The Lord is giving me his strength as often as I need it. He's helping me put on the armor, but I have to stand. Do you see? So that's what active means. Active here means that I'm the one. So God's like, I'm going to give you my strength. I'm right here. My presence is always going to be with you. I'm right here. Here, I'm going to help you put on your armor so that it's effective, but you got to stand. See, there's some personal responsibility that we're dealing with here. How many of us, we get dressed in the moment that it starts getting hard, we just sit down, walk away. This is too hard. You know how many times I've heard Christians say, this is too hard? No, it's not because you have the strength of the Lord. Did you put on your armor today? Did I put on what? That's the problem. I didn't put on my armor. Now I can't stand. So the Lord supplies the strength that I need to stand. The Lord helps me put on the armor in which I can stand. But I'm the one that has to stand. Isn't that amazing? And just two verses. Doesn't it, isn't it amazing how the, the word of God is living and active and how it just can open up and say, wow, all right. So the strength is the Lord's. The armor is the Lord's. And he's helping me put it on. But I got to take a stand. There's a time in our life when we got to stand up and say, devil, no more, you're done. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. If we could have every marriage highlight that verse, right? Come on, married couples, right? If we could, if we could get this one figured out, the battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. The, the, the battle is a spiritual battle. It's not against your, your wife. It's not against the husband. It's not against the kids. It's not against your parents. It's not against the neighbor, no matter how annoying they are. It's not against your co-workers. It's not against the boss, even if it's you. I mean, that's what we got to realize is that he's saying, hey, flesh and blood's not the problem. Now, they may be acting a fool, and they may be doing some dumb things right now. They need them some Jesus. But what's behind them is the real problem. They're not the problem. What's behind them is the problem. We need to take care of the problem. Some of the wives are like, well, you just don't know my husband. He is the problem. <laughs> Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Is it not amazing how many times we see the same phrase? Put on. The whole armor of God, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So here's the deal. Step one, I need to identify my allies and enemies. I need to know who's an ally and who's an enemy. You may not be getting along with your spouse, but I promise you they're not the enemy. And maybe, there's, maybe you wouldn't have so many marital problems if you would figure this part out. Maybe there wouldn't be so many marital issues if you realize that's your ally. That's the helpmate. How many times have I felt so frustrated when Barbara and I find ourselves arguing and I'm like, man, we're losing the fight. 
She's not my enemy and I'm not hers. What's going on? Don't we, doesn't it get frustrating, married couples? And you realize all of a sudden we're fighting and we're losing a battle to the stupid devil again? Because we're not enemies. Step two, I got to put on the full armor of God. You cannot stand against the enemy without all. You, you, you have to have the whole. Every, over and over and over, we see it saying the same thing. Put on the whole armor of God. I would think that after a while, we would figure that out. It's like leaving the house without a shirt on. <laughs> Nicholas has a, they, they got a, they got a, a new baby and, and uh, a, a precious little baby. And, and he said one day he was getting busy. He said, working so fast, I had my shoes, my pants on, I ran out and I realized I didn't have a shirt and I was heading to church. So I got to go back in and put on, you know, it happens when you're new parents. All right. At least you went back. <laughs> you know, so be like, Nicholas, this is awkward for everyone, uh, buddy. <laughs> so, all right, so we got to put on the whole armor of God, all of it. God's provided all of it. Don't leave any of it out. Um, and then I got to realize that one, I got to stay with the first two steps if I ever want to accomplish the whole mission. You see, having the ability to stand and standing are two different things. Have we ever noticed that? See, what, what over, he says it two different times, that you may be able. Did you catch it both times? That you may be able. He's giving you the ability to stand, but guess what? Having the ability to do something and doing it are two different things. How many times have you had the ability to do it and yet you didn't, right? How many times do we have the ability to take our stand against the enemy and then yet we gave in again? And step three is stand your ground. So when I start thinking about standing our ground there's a really neat men's ministry that I've heard a lot of things about. Um, one of my pastor friends, they call it uh, men's, um, men's advance. And I was like, why, word, why advance? And he says, because men don't retreat. Hmm? What if every father, what if every father had this spiritual mind? I'm not retreating. What happens, fathers, if you retreat? The devil gets every inch that you retreated from. What if every father and husband says, I will not retreat? Devil, you're not entering. Devil, you don't get to come into this house. And I think this, our generation, so many men have been so willingly to step outside of the spiritual leadership role. I'll lead everywhere else, but honey, you be the spiritual leader. God called you men to be the spiritual leader. And I can't tell you how many times I hear, well, I just don't know much. Then, know, then get to know it. Then take the time and open up the Bible and get in it and grow and challenge yourself. Start listening to sermons every week, every day. You know, start, start pouring in. But here's the thing is, not just to you men, but what if all the mothers said, no, I don't care if no one else is standing, but I'm not leaving this door. I saw one of the most amazing um, um, wildlife videos. It was a, a, a big, huge uh, grizzly bear a male, and he was coming, and he saw these cubs playing in the stream, and he was hungry, and he came to eat them. He was going to eat one of these 
baby grizzly bears, and he's huge, and he's coming down the mountain, and they're videotaping this, and he takes one step into the water, and here comes a much smaller mama bear, and she charges with everything she has, and she fought him and fought him, and, and even you're sitting there going, well, he's going to kill her now. But she fought with such a ferocity that he quit and backed down and walked away hungry. Man, if we had some spiritual mamas like that, some spiritual mama bears that says, no, devil, I'm standing my ground, and I don't care if my kids are sitting down, and I don't care if my husband's sitting down. I'm not sitting. I'm standing my ground. What if nobody, what if none of the adults do? What if kids started doing that? Right? What if, what if these youth said, you know what, even if my mom and my dad aren't in this fight, I'm going to fight for my mom and my dad. I'm going to stand in this door gap, and I'm going to stand up, and devil, you're not coming in on my watch. See, it doesn't say adults or parents or moms and dads. The the men should be men. Men should rise up and be the man that God called them to be. But here's the problem. A lot of men don't. So the women do. But here's the deal is sometimes the women don't either. And now you got kids that have to be grown up a little bit here. But here's the deal. It doesn't say adults. It doesn't say that. So kids, you can stand your ground too. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. To give you an idea of what this kind of would look like, here's kind of a picture here, the armor of God. And, and Paul is using an imagery to prove a spiritual point. Yes, you're not literally going to be putting on uh, 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 the belt like that and, and the breastplate and a helmet. You're not going to walk out looking like a Roman soldier, or at least I'd hope that you don't, if you, if you do. Uh, yeah. Let me know how it works out for you. But he's, 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 he's using imagery to teach a very important spiritual lesson. The Roman soldiers had defeated everybody that he's teaching. So everybody looked at the Roman soldier and no one was going to mess with the Roman soldier. The Romans knew how to fight and they knew how to win. But I'm going to break each one of these down. We're going to start with the belt of truth. The word truth here is aletheia. And it's the same word that Jesus uses to describe himself in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, the aletheia, and the life. So he's like, put me on. When I'm putting on the belt of truth, I'm putting Jesus on. I'm taking Jesus with me wherever we go. Yes, I know he's all present, but here's the deal. Sometimes we need to make a mental note. He's with me, and I am not backing down as long as Jesus is with me. He also uses the same word, Aletheia, for truth in John 8, 32. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It is not an accident that this is the starting point for all the armor. Truth is the starting point. The world is full of lies. The devil is always, he's a liar and the father of all lies. 
The only way we will stand against him is by knowing the truth. So I want to show you how the devil will attack you in all these different ways. The first, the devil always seeks to deceive you. He's going to deceive you with your lies, deceive you that you're not good enough, that you're unworthy, that you're unwanted, that you are a mistake. And if he succeeds at this, then you will continue to work, to continue his work by living in self-deception. See, a lot of Christians are living in self-deception. If you have believed the lie that you're not good enough and you have repeated it, you are now living and doing the devil's work in your own life. He doesn't have to fight you because you're fighting yourself. Come on. Too many of us are spending too much time doing the devil's work in our own life. Then the devil no longer needs to deceive you because you're now deceiving yourself. Well, the breastplate of righteousness. The word righteous in Greek means living in accordance to God's word or having the ability to obey God's word. Putting on the breastplate of righteousness means that that I have this ability to do what God has told me to do. When you're reading the Bible, God did not give you things you can't do. He says, forgive. You can forgive. He says, love your enemy. You are perfectly able to love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. You are perfectly able. So you are able to do all that God has told you to do. So when we put on the breastplate of righteousness, I'm saying, God, I'm going to do what you told me to do. That's righteousness, to do right. So God, I'm putting this on, and today, if you tell me to forgive, I'm forgiving. You tell me to to share my faith, I'll share my faith. God, I'm going to be obedient to what you told me to do. Psalm 119, 11, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, if the devil can't deceive you, then beware of temptation. He will lead you, entice you into sin, convince you to rationalize or justify it. How many times have we sinned? And then in that sin, we begin to rationalize it. Well, it's not as bad as that person. I'm doing better than them. Or, you know, it's not really all that bad, right? It's just our taxes. Everyone does it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Think about it. See, if the devil can not only get you to sin, because the breastplate of righteousness doesn't just vanish if I slipped up and made a mistake. See, the the breastplate of righteousness is there to protect my heart. So when I sin, I immediately should be confessing the sin, repenting of the sin. But the moment I rationalize that sin, justify that sin, now I'm taking that sin and I'm hiding it in my heart. Hmm. A lot of people hiding their sins in their heart just because they don't think it's as bad as somebody else's. The shoes with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Uh, A lot of people will use this, um, the, the shoes, as evangelism or mission work. But I see it quite differently. If the devil can't tempt you away into sin, then he will seek to divide and break the unity of relationships that Christ died for. The devil, if he can't deceive you into hating yourself, 
and he can't get you to fall into sin, then he's going to try to start messing with your marriage. Start messing with your kid's relationship with you. Or vice versa. The point is, is that what he begins to do is he's trying to drive wedges in relationships. See, Romans 12, 18, I love this. If it is possible, as far as it depends on who? You. What he's saying is, as long as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As long as it's up to you. Here's the thing, as a Christian, man, I'll tell you what, sometimes you feel like a doormat. It's all right. As long as it's up to me, I'm going to live at peace. That's hard. It's hard. It's hard to have peace with myself, let alone Peace with anyone else. But what he's saying is, listen, you're living this life. You are, I'm, this isn't about me. It's about the kingdom I'm living for. It's about the king I represent. Jesus said this in John 17. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Do you want to know why a church grows? Unity. When a church as diverse as us, we've got Mennonites, we've got... Uh, on the other side, Pentecostals, we've got Reformed theology. We've got Southern Baptist theology. We are, we, we've got Nazarenes in the house, my mother-in-law. Yeah, all right. So we've got Catholics. We've got every, every denomination you could possibly come in in this house. And yet we sing, shout, and praise the same living God every week. Every week. And see, that a lost world says, how can a Pentecostal and a Nazarene? And it sounds like the beginning of a bad spiritual joke, right? But what happens is people say, how do you do it? It's God. It's not me. So it's God doing something amazing in a whole bunch of different people. And then other people say, I'm hearing about something, and I want to go check it out. How many of you heard something about living water, and you had to come see for yourself, and that's why you're in this house? What Jesus is trying to get us thick-headed Christians to figure out is unity. So that the world may know that you sent me. And if a church can't even be united in its own doors, there's no way Jesus is sending anybody to that church. Remember that the, Paul said, I plant in Apollos waters, but God makes it to grow. So, so he goes, I'm nothing and Apollo says nothing, but God is everything, and God is the one who makes it grow. So if you can't be united, no wonder we're not growing. I have pastors all the time, what are you doing? Uh, we love. We love and we teach God's word. You're like, it's pretty simple. Why aren't our churches growing? Well, the first question I would have for you is, like, what's the temperature in your church? Do your people love each other? Well, we got a lot of problems. That's the problem. When you guys get over each other and you live at peace with everyone. Can you imagine what a church that's always mean to everybody else? Who wants to go to that church? Think about it. 
Have you ever like, oh, that church is filled with a whole bunch of mean people? Have you ever heard that before? I pastored a couple of those. They're like, why aren't we growing? Because of you. You're mean. Stop being mean. Nobody wants to come here because of you. You know, like, are they handing lemon drops when you walk in the door? <laughs> All right, so here's what we're doing on this. We want to, we first, I need to be at peace with God, number one. Then I need to become at peace with each other, everyone. That's including your spouse. All right, come on, that includes your spouse, it includes your children. So as long as it's up to me, I'm living at peace. So then what happens is now that I'm at peace with God, I find peace with others, then I can help other people find peace with God and help them get peace with others. That's one of the things that you're going to see happen on Freedom Night. We're going to start helping others get to peace with others and with God. How cool, right? By the way, if you have not signed up for a small group, on Wednesday, we still have a lot of openings left in a lot of different classes. It's not too late. It's a lot easier if you get locked in today so that you know you're locked in than when you show up and we have like only so many chairs in a room. So guys, I want to encourage you at the end of the service, go back to our welcome center. We can help you put the app on the phone. It's super easy when you do that. You just like click a button and you're like enrolled. So we can get you enrolled in a class today because one of the things, uh, this Freedom Night is going to be amazing. So I'm really excited about this. Um, we've never had a Wednesday night worship service. I'm like, why not? We like Sundays. <laughs> I'm like, why can't we do that twice? You know, so we're going to do it twice and we're going to have really awesome small groups for you to sign up for. So, all right. So here we go. Shield of faith. So the word faith uh, in Greek, uh, it means a certainty. In what you believe about God. And, and if you have a strong faith, your faith will lead you to place your trust in him. Ready? So if the devil can't get you to um, hate yourself, um, if he can't deceive you, if he can't get you to fall into sin and he can't drive a wedge in your relationships, then he's going to begin to seek to bring disaster, calamity, Turmoil, trials, and tribulations. He's going to do everything that he can to destroy your faith in God. When, when Malachi got sick, I know what the devil wanted. The devil thought the Church of Living Water has been growing and reaching people and baptizing people and people's lives are being changed. We need to put a stop to that. The easiest way to put a stop to that is if we can destroy the pastor and his wife. And the easiest way to do that is to take something from them that's the most precious thing that they would give their own life up for. I remember driving home, Malachi, we were talking about a lot of different things, and he said, Dad, I'm not going to be mad at God. And I said, then I won't either. Malachi and I had a deal that neither one of us was allowed to get mad at God. We made that deal together and I've held my promise. You see, what I believe about God only got stronger. It backfired for the devil, I can guarantee you that. What he thought would happen is I'm going to bring such a calamity to this family that it destroys their faith. And if we can destroy their faith, then we can destroy the whole church around them. 
but all it did was reach more and more and more people through his story. Malachi's legacy, and I know why God took him home. The legacy that he has is still going strong. His story is still reaching people. First Peter says this in chapter 1, verse 6. It says, in all of this, in all of this you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief of all kinds. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith which is greater worth than gold, which perishes even though it's refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. He's saying that these trials that come in our life will prove our faith real. Your faith will always be proven real or counterfeit by what you do in the storms of life. If your faith is real and true and genuine, After that calamity strikes, it will result in other people praising, honoring, and glorifying God. Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It's hard to lean on God when you don't understand things, but that's why we have faith. God, I don't understand what you're doing, but I'm with you all the way to the end. Where, what, else, what, am I, what else am I going to do? You know, I thought about that a lot. I'm like, okay, so the devil wants me to reject my faith. Then what? If I rejected my faith, then what, what am I going to do now? I'm alone. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God's going to bring comfort. It may not be today. It's coming. It's on its way. The helmet of salvation. When I started looking at the helmet of salvation, you have to understand salvation. Salvation is an act of being saved. I think we so often forget what salvation is all about. Salvation is an act of being saved from two things, sin and death. Sin is what's going to keep me from inheriting eternal life, and death is what we're all going to face. And if I die and I don't have salvation, I just have a second death for all of eternity. So, I want to be saved from my sin and receive forgiveness, and I want the eternal life that's being promised. So when he attacks our helmet, the helmet, when, he, when, he, when the devil's coming at to attack, I love how 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes this, the hope of the salvation as a helmet, hope. So when I start thinking about salvation, it's all, it's all centered and banking on hope. I, I have a faith. But these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And so hope is all about your future. Hope is always about your future. Faith is what I know about God. He is faithful. He is loving. He is, you know, just. I can, these are the things I know. That's faith. Hope is, I don't know what tomorrow looks like. I don't know how I'm getting past this event in my life. So what happens is, when we talk about the salvation, salvation is all about what's to come. So what the devil's going to do is he's going to seek to destroy your hope. So if, if, if he can't, if nothing else works and he hasn't been able to get you anywhere else, now he's like, I want to destroy, destroy your hopes and your dreams. I want to destroy your future. That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to destroy your hopes, your dreams, your purpose in life. Because think about it, if you lose hope in the future, either the one here or the one to come, 
then you've lost the purpose of life. See, if the devil can attack you here, he can begin to try to tell you that life's not worth living. If you've ever sank into depression and you allowed yourself to stay there long enough, eventually your mind will begin to tell you that maybe life isn't worth living. It means that you did not put the helmet of salvation on. Suicide is a bigger deal than what is people understand. It's the 11th leading cause of death in the U.S., 11th. 1.7 million attempts in 2021. And right now, some of the highest rates of suicide are now among young people. And the highest percentage of suicide attempts and suicide are those who struggle with same-sex attraction, who are struggling with homosexuality or transgender. And this isn't an attack on them. It's saying that, that this is where that the highest rates are among folks who are struggling with those things. And once they got a hold and and they were accepted for what they wanted to be accepted for, something still was missing. And when things are missing in your life, it can easily slip you into discouragement that leads to depression, that leads you to thoughts about life's just not worth living. You see, the reason why this church has the mission statement that it is, is Finding freedom to walk in purpose. It's not just enough to get freedom. We also need purpose in our life. We need purpose. And the last one is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You see, everything else that we've talked about, armor is used for protection and defense. But guess what? If I've only got a shield and I've got all my armor there and I don't have nothing, and I, at some point something's going to get through because there's no weapon. There's nothing to offensively use. So yes, I can stand my ground when I'm under attack, but how do I put an end to the attack? See, right now what we're about to do is we've learned all of the equipment that God has given me that I need to stand my ground. Now God puts in our hand the sword of the Spirit to put an end to the fight. You want to put an end to the devil's attack? You use the Word of God. You put an end to him. No, I know, I'm, I know I'm unworthy, but here's the deal. Let me tell you, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, so that's not my identity. I'm a child of God. Get out of here, devil. I know what the Bible says. You see, when you use the word of God, it puts an end to his lies. It puts an end to his deception. It puts an end to his accusations. I love how all the time throughout the Bible, every time we're talking about the Word of God, it's constantly being described as a sword. For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. You know, what I find so amazing is that a lot of people are like, well, you know, I just read the Word of God. I, yes, I use color highlighters a lot. 
um, I'm weird like that, and, and, you know, and I like colors and underlining and, and, and highlighting and diagrams, and I like all of these things, but here's the deal. It's still the Word of God. It's just the Word of God. Have you ever just realized how powerful the Word of God is? Like when you're hearing a message, and it's just the Word of God, and you're just like, wow, I needed that, right? It's like, man, the Word of God. Woo! It's sharper than a double-edged sword, and it penetrates to the it penetrates the hardest of hearts. Some people say, "Well, we'll need a miracle for that." Well, good. My God invented miracles. Well, I just don't know how we're going to do. We're going to do it with the truth. We're going to do it with the Word of God, because it can go through the hardest of heads, the hardest of hearts. So, I want to show you how the devil three major areas that the devil attacks us here. The devil is a liar. John 8, 44, you can see the whole verse there. But, but Jesus says there's no truth in him when he lies. He speaks his native tongue, his native language, for he is a liar. He's a father of lies. The devil is a deceiver. Revelation 12, 9, the great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He's a deceiver. Think about this. There was a th- a, all the angels were in the presence of God. And he was able to deceive a third of them out of the presence of God to follow him. Can you imagine how hard it would be to, to deceive somebody out of the presence of God? Let's come out of the presence of God. So think about how many people are easily deceived because they're not even spending any time in the word of God. There's a lot of Christians living in deception. Oops, I forgot I, I didn't, didn't do the last part. He's a, an accuser. Revelation 12, 10, the very next verse. Then I heard a voice, right? And he says, for the accuser of our brothers, the devil loves to accuse you. He loves to remind you of your past sin. He loves to attack you. He loves to try to just try to utterly destroy you. He just sits there and accuses you and accuses you and accuses you and accuses you and accuses you. That's not God. That's your enemy. Have you ever heard those thoughts pop into your head and it's reminding you of all of your mistakes? How many of you have had that happen? That's the devil, not God. God forgives you and he says he, has, he remembers your sin. Oh, come on. You guys know that. He remembers your sin So if he remembers your sin no more, he's not the one reminding you of it. You see, when I realize the devil's a liar, he's a deceiver and an accuser, I need to put a stop to that in my life. We are living a victim life because we're letting the devil wreak havoc in our hearts, our minds, and every other part. All right. So how do we put an end to the attack? 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Be alert and sober mind your enemy prowls like a lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Everybody say resist him. Resist Resist him. Standing firm. You see? You see the connection? Standing firm in the faith. I will not be moved. Go ahead and say your lies and your deception. You aren't getting an inch. James chapter 4, verse 7, submit yourselves then to God. What? Resist the devil and he will flee. So here's the deal. How do I resist the devil? With the word of God. 
My last passage I want to share with you, I just love this. In Revelation 19, we've, we've been reading a lot of Revelation verses lately. It's just so good. I saw heaven standing open. And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire. And on his head are many crowns. And his name is written on him that no one knows but he himself. He, dressed, he is dressed in a white robe dipped in blood. In a robe dipped in blood. And his name is the Word of God. Huh? His name is the Word of God. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 of John 1, and the Word became flesh. This is talking about Jesus. This is talking about Jesus. His name is the Word of God. That's why the Word of God is so powerful. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses, dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth was a sharp sword. Isn't that amazing? The word of God. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. Man, sometimes we don't know what we're even holding when you're holding the word of God. And we don't understand the power that comes in the Word of God. So my question to you as we end, how is your stand against the devil? How's that doing? How's that going? Hmm? If we're going to be honest, and this is a moment of reflection, how is my stand against the devil, how's that going? Is there... Can you identify maybe, maybe there's an area here that you've been attacked under? Maybe there's an area, maybe you haven't been putting on the belt of truth and you've been believing the lies the devil's telling you about yourself. Or, or maybe you've allowed the, the, the devil to, to, to start deceiving you into sin and, and reminding you of your past sin. And, and maybe, there's, maybe in here he's, he's driving a wedge in your relationship and you've allowed him to attack the relationships in your life. You see, the thing is, is that we need to identify where my weak spot is and then say, God, did I put that on today? Did I get up today and put on my shoes of peace? Am I quick to be at peace with my wife? Am I quick to be at peace with my neighbor? Am I quick to be at peace? See, we need to begin to see where is the devil attacking so that I can now know how to defend it. I read this one book on spiritual warfare and it was talking about memorizing scripture and the importance of it. It said memorizing a verse is like adding an inch to your sword. And the problem with Christians today is we're walking around pocket knives trying to fight off the devil. Man, I want a 900-foot sword. Just line it up. Just run into that sucker. I, you know, I, I'm not mowing you over, you know. I mean, you know, we, we need to put God's word in our heart so that we can stop the fight. So today I want you to bow your head and I want you to close your eyes for a moment.
The first thing is this. If I do not have the armor of God on, if, I've, if I'm not saved, I don't have any piece of the armor to begin with. See, God is all-powerful. And when I become a child of God, I have access to my Father's power. If you are not saved, there is nothing more important for you to do than to receive Christ into your heart. Just a few weeks ago, I got to see a young lady walk across this floor and ask the Lord into her heart. Today, she's going to be baptized. Every one of us has that story. And when we finally said, you know what? I want him in my life. I want him to be the Lord of my life. So if there's any of you, I'm going to be standing right over here to the side like I always do. And if you want to ask the Lord into your life, I would be honored to help you do that. If you are realizing that maybe some of us are losing that battle, maybe there's some of us who have been letting the devil get in our home and in our marriages and in our relationships, maybe you've been losing some ground. Make a decision today. Make a decision that you're going to stand your ground from here on out. And if you fall down, you get back up. And maybe today you need to come to the altar and you need to ask God for his strength. Maybe that's what you need to do. That's why we have an altar here to do that. And that's why we have a prayer team that's willing to pray with you and to help you through that. So today, the altar is open. If you need to pray for his strength, maybe you just want to take some counsel and say, Hey, I, I've got some questions about this armor of God. How do I, how do, I do this? How do I, how do I put this thing on? We want to help you. So the altar is open. If you need to come right now, come. The worship, uh, the, the worship team is going to lead us in, in, in song, but the prayer team is going to be at the sides, and they will be ready to help you. The altar is open.